you will, go ahead and take your hymnals out again and turn back to the song we just sang, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing. I believe that's 88. Hark the Herald, Angels Sing, hymn number 88. Just keep it open there because we'll refer to that as we go through our service today. Right now, I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verses 18 through 16. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 16. Allow me to read this passage. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into the heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph, and the baby as he lay in the manger. Let's bow together. Dear Lord, as we open our hearts to the truth of these words, this beautiful, beautiful story of Christmas, of the angels coming to herald the, the announcement that the new king, the king of all creation, has been born, the promised Messiah, the one prophesied from many years old, to know that you had answered the prayers of many, that you had brought forth the Savior of the world, Lord, help us to understand this wonderful gift that you've given us. Then, Lord, help us to be like the angels and to share this wonderful, great news to the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we're continuing our Christmas series, and our Christmas series is dealing with some of our old Christmas hymns. Today we're looking at Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and the passage that I just read out of Luke goes almost hand in hand with this old hymn. Uh, it was written by Charles Wesley some 300 years ago. Uh, the, music, uh, the musical part was written by Felix Mendelssohn, who was a great composer of those years. And it was later adapted by George Whitfield. Both uh, Charles uh, Wesley and his brother John and George uh, Whitfield were all instrumental in what we now know as the Methodist movement or the Methodist church. But uh, George actually took that, what... Uh, Charles had written, he kind of condensed it a little bit because what Charles had written was many more stanzas than what we have now and changed a few of the words but nothing that really changed the meaning. But since then, this has really become one of the favorite hymns of Christmas. Allow me just to read this. As I shared last week, sometimes as we just read a hymn, I believe it helps us to understand the words and the meanings behind it more than when we sing it. I know for myself... I had to focus pretty hard to, to read the notes and to try to find out how to hit those notes and then the tempo and trying to get everything right. And sometimes with all that, I fail to really focus on the words that I'm singing. 
So allow me to read this. Read along with me. Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King, Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, Join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lay his glory by, born that men no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Then the chorus, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. As we look at this wonderful hymn, as you look at the first stanza, you'll realize that it is really God's greatest announcement to all mankind. Notice the very first word, hark. How many of y'all have used the word hark in the last year? It's not a word that we use very often anymore, but it's basically, hey, let me get your attention. Listen up. What I'm about to say is important. So whatever way that you try to get people's attention is the hark that we use today. And so basically it is a call for attention. Listen up. And so these, this angel came and basically uh, he was getting the attention of the shepherds. I doubt that they needed much attention because how many times has an angel appeared before you? And so I believe when they saw this angel, they were ready to hear if they could get off the ground after fainting. Uh, what this angel had to say. And notice uh, the next thing, the herald angels. It doesn't say, hark the angels sing. It says, hark the herald angels sing. Well, how many of y'all use the word herald anytime recently? Still not much of a word that we use. And it kind of refers back to something that we might be a little bit more uh, familiar with over the past several hundred years, the old town crier. The old town crier would be sent out by the government bodies of a town or a city, and he would be given a message to share with the city. This was before telephones, before any other modern ways of communicating, so the town crier would go out and ring a, bell, uh, ring a bell and go throughout all the streets, crying out the message that was important for the citizens to hear. And so we see that the angels were the town criers, they came with a, a heralding a message. Now, they didn't have a governing body that sent them out. They had the authority of Almighty God sending them to earth. And so the herald angels came to earth to share this wonderful message of the, the gospel, that Jesus Christ had come. And so we look, and these angels, uh, with authority of Almighty God, shared this greatest news that mankind has ever heard, that Jesus Christ... The Son of God is born. Now, he's just a baby. He can't do anything. Mary and Joseph still had to take care of his every need, just like any other newborn baby. But the promise had been fulfilled. God, throughout the uh, Old Testament, through the prophets, had foretold of a coming Messiah, and that Messiah had come. It says, he has come as the newborn king. Newborn king, well, 
We talked about this a little bit last week. Herod didn't want a newborn king. He did everything he could to eliminate him because he did not want any competition. But Jesus came as a different kind of king. He did not come as a political ruler. He came to be the king of all kings, the king of all mankind. So instead of humiliating his subjects with heavy taxation and cruel labor, he came as a messenger of mercy and peace. That's what the song says, peace on earth and mercy mild. Jesus came for that reason. He came to share peace among mankind. Now this peace is not the absence of war or strife or conflict or, or trials. It is peace with God. Peace knowing that you belong to God, that he is the Heavenly Father, that he loves us and he can give us his peace, a peace that passes all understanding, that no matter what situation we may find ourselves in, he is with us and he loves us and he is our peace. But not only peace, but also mercy. Mercy is so critical. God knew and has always known that we are sinners. Romans 3.23 says, For all has sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans uh, 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. We deserve eternal separation from God, eternal death. And so, what is mercy? Mercy is not giving us what we deserve, which is eternal death. Eternal separation from God and eternity in hell. That's what we deserve. But instead, Jesus came to provide mercy. Not to give us what we deserve, but to give us his grace. What we did not deserve is gift of salvation and eternal life. That's what the last part of uh, Romans 6.23 says. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's grace. 2 John chapter 1, verse 3, shares about grace and mercy and peace. Let me read this. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and in love. Then we also see that Jesus came for a reason. He came to reconcile us to God. What does that word reconcile mean? It basically means that we are against God in our sinfulness. But Jesus came so that he could make a way for us to return to God, to be restored into a right relationship with God. And so he came and gave of himself so that we could be reconciled unto God. So what we see here is uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 19. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their transgressions against them, as he has committed to us the work of reconciliation. So Jesus has come to cover us with his righteousness, to cover up our sins, so that our sinfulness would no longer be held against us, so that God now sees the righteousness of Christ and we are now reconciled to him for all those who place their faith and trust in Jesus, the Savior and Lord. But not only does he reconcile, it says, Joyful, all ye nations rise. He came for all nations. He came first for the, Gent for the Jews, but the Jews, many and most, rejected him. 
Then he opened the doors for the Gentiles. Gentiles is basically anyone who is not a Jew. So he came for the entire world. Now, after Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave his disciples a command to go out into the world, and they did. And through the work of his disciples, much of the known world was introduced to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there are very, very few areas of the world today that have not heard the gospel. But that doesn't mean that we need to stop. It means that we need to keep on going because unfortunately many of the places that have heard the gospel are no longer following Christ. They need to be reintroduced to the gospel of Christ. But he came for all nations. And that's why we sing in triumph because he came not just for a few, not for a select group, but for all. Then we see the heavenly host of angels. How many angels were there that day or that evening? We don't know. But the scriptures tell us that a host of heavenly angels came to be with the shepherds. I have a feeling the shepherds were far outnumbered. We don't know how many shepherds there were either. Probably just a handful. They were probably working together to, to uh, take care of a flock of sheep. Uh, some even think that this group of sheep were used for the for the temple sacrifices and things of this nature. And so they would you know, work together to oversee caretaking of these lambs. We don't know that for, for a fact, but we know there's more than one because they talked to each other and said, we must go into Bethlehem and see what we have heard. But how many angels came? Revelation chapter 5, verse 11 talks about the number of angels around the throne of God. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Now myriads is basically an uncomprehensible number. You, you don't know what the number is. It's, it's innumerable. You, you, it's just too many to fathom. And it says not only there's myriads, but myriads of myriads, thousands of thousands. As many stars in the sky, I believe there's at least that many angels, and we can, it cannot even count the number of stars in the sky. Just in our own galaxy, we can't. And so we look and we see that there were multitudes of the heavenly hosts. Did they all get to come to, to earth? That's a good question, isn't it? Would you like to be an angel that got left behind and didn't get to come to earth to shout the glory of the newborn king? We don't know if all of them came or if a select group came, if there's a special group of angels that were set aside for this one purpose. We just don't know. But what we do know is that a heavenly host came. And the, the true word, wording is basically an army of angels. And they came in their might and in their power and their glory and they sang this wonderful song of praise. And so we look and we see that they came to a lowly group of shepherds. Why shepherds? Why not some of the... Why, why didn't they show up to King Herod or to some other uh, powerful individuals and share this wonderful message of great news? Well, unfortunately, the powerful and the rich have a tendency not to 
place their faith in Jesus. Not saying all, but there's a, the more that you trust in your own self and your own abilities, the less you're willing to trust in God and His Son, Jesus Christ. And so what we see is that Jesus came, His angels came, to those who are probably the most ready to hear a message of salvation. He came to the least likely group probably on face earth. The shepherds were pretty much nobodies. They were the outcasts of society. Just because of their, uh, their work, they were considered ceremonially unclean, so they could never go into the temple to worship. And they were not known as the most trustworthy people. They were not allowed to give testimony in a court of law. But look who Jesus came to. If you read the scriptures and you follow Jesus' ministry, the large majority of the people that Jesus ministered to were the down and out, the outcasts of society. He ministered to the lepers, the lame, the blind, the prostitutes, the dreaded tax collector, people that nobody else in society wanted to be around. As a matter of fact, as Jesus did this, the powerful people, the religious leaders, the Pharisees said, well, you must be a sinner too because you associate with sinners. That's the farthest thing from the truth. But Jesus went to those whose hearts would be most open to him. And I believe that's why the angels came to the shepherds because they knew that they would open their hearts to these truths. And it's evident, as we read in Luke, that they could not help but go find this newborn king. That leads us into the second stanza. God with us, Emmanuel. What we see is that Jesus is not just a baby. He is God in the flesh. He is deity in the flesh. So we see that uh, the heavens are adoring Jesus. It says that Christ, the highest heaven adored, all of heaven, the entire heavenly host, adore Christ. Why? Well, the main purpose for angels is for worship. Just as I shared in Revelations that myriads and myriads of them gathered around the, tr uh, around the throne to worship God and His Son Jesus, they did the same thing as they came to earth to share this message of salvation. Well, they call Him the everlasting Lord. See, Jesus has no beginning. He has no end. He has always been. He stepped out of heaven, we do know that, but at the same time, he has always been, he is eternal, he is deity, he is God. We see in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 9, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of man, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason, also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, the name that the angels were singing and celebrating that first Christmas morning or evening. So Jesus began a new era of his eternal ministry, He's always been. If you read John chapter 1, you see that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things that were created were created by Him through Him. He is the voice of creation that we see back in Genesis where it says, 
And God said, let there be light. Let there be, let there be. God said, he is the voice of creation. So he has always been. And yet now he takes off the robe of heaven and he comes to earth in a human form. Can you imagine? Well, we can't imagine. Try to imagine being God, being eternal, being all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, and putting on the body of a human with all of his frailties and coming to be with man. That's the reason why he came, is to be with us. Yes, he set a wonderful, beautiful example of how we ought to live, but that's not really why he came. He came born of a virgin. That's what the hymn tells us, born of a virgin birth. Why is that important? Well, we've dealt with this before in the past. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, the first one who took a bite of that forbidden fruit was Eve. And yet, who takes the blame for the sins entering to the world? Adam. See, God holds the husband as being responsible for his family. And so he was the one who allowed Eve to trespass against God. And that's when sin entered into the world. But we know that from that point on, the scriptures tell us that sin is from the seed of man. And so the scriptures really tell us that that which is born of a woman but not of the seed of man does not carry the seed of sin. That's why the Holy Spirit, perfect, sinless, God, came upon Mary. And she conceived and gave birth to Jesus, born of the Spirit, not of man. So we look and we see that this is God's gift through this virgin birth. Then the hymn says, Late in time, behold him come. Late in time. If Adam and Eve sinned way back in Genesis, why didn't God send the Savior, Jesus, right then? Because obviously there was a need to overcome the stain of sin. And Jesus was the answer. Why didn't he come during Abraham's days or Moses' days or during the prophets? Well, why didn't he come immediately? Well, we don't have the mind of God. He tells us that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. But what he does tell us is what we find in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. So God, in his perfect timing, sent Jesus to earth when it was his time, in the fullness of time. Born of a virgin, of the Holy Spirit, so that flesh, the seed, would not be upon him. He is God in the flesh. Through the virgin birth, God the, God the Son became man and dwelt among us. And here we see, in this beautiful hymn, the Godhead veiled in flesh. That's who Jesus is. He is the God, the Godhead, veiled in flesh. He is God, 100%, while being man, 100%. There again, our minds cannot comprehend that, but it's what the truth is. He is the Godhead, veiled in flesh. Then he says that, Hail the incarnate deity, 
Incarnate means come into the flesh, and he is deity, he is God. So we are to praise him, we are to worship him as God in the flesh, deity incarnate, and who is pleased to dwell with man. There's no evidence that Jesus put up a fight and said, I don't want to go to earth. I don't want to be around those sinful people. It was his delight to fulfill the Father's will to come to earth, to die in our place for our sins. So he did not leave his deity behind. He brought it with him. He's God in the flesh, and he came to share his love with all of mankind. Then the hymn says, Jesus, our Emmanuel. Calls him by his name, Jesus, and he is our Emmanuel. That word Emmanuel simply translates God with us. We find the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. So we look at these first two stanzas, we see that uh, the greatest message ever told was shared. Then we see that Jesus, God, Emmanuel, came to earth. Now we see why he came. The third stanza. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Again, we see this word peace. Again, it's not the absence of war or conflict or strife. It's peace with God. Peace with God. How many of you truly feel like you have peace with God right now? That's why Jesus came. He came to give us peace. Not peace like the world thinks, the absence of conflicts, but peace even in the midst of conflicts. Even when nothing's going right, God can give us his peace. Because he gives us his presence. And so it is the peace with God because Jesus died in our place for our sins so that we might become children of God, his own children, adopted into his family. That's the peace that only God can give us through his son Jesus. Then we see Jesus is the son of righteousness and he has the healing in his wings. We find a reference to this back in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and you will go forth and skip like calves from the stall. The Son of Righteousness is Jesus. He is righteousness. He is the epitome of righteousness. There is no sin in him and cannot be any sin in him. And so he is the son of righteousness. Now notice that if you go back to Malachi, it has the S-U-N, son of righteousness. And we use the S-O-N. And that's just a play on words from the old prophet. But it means the same thing. As a matter of fact, what Malachi was actually prophesying was not only the first coming of Christ, but also the second coming of Christ. We know that as Jesus came the first time, he gives us his righteousness. The scriptures tell us that he has placed his righteousness on our account to cover up our sins so that when God looks at us, he no longer sees our sin, but he sees the righteousness of Christ. And he also heals us from our sinfulness. But if you look into the future, again, you go over to Revelation, we see that Jesus will come again in his righteousness. And what do we find out? Is that 
he heals the land, and there will be no more death, no more sin, no more crying, and no more pain. Healing in his wings. That's who Jesus is. And so it also says that he brings light and life to all, excuse me, to all he brings. Light and life. But Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He basically says, your focus needs to be on me instead of the darkness around you. Yes, there's a lot of darkness in our world today, but Jesus is our light. He is our guide. He is the one who brings us to salvation and eternal light. Not only light, but also life. We look and we see that he has done all that he can for us. He's given us a gift of eternal life through his death, burial, and resurrection. But he also says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So the life, one, is eternal life for all of eternity, that we will always be in the presence of God. But life abundantly means that he still gives us life here on earth, a wonderful life to live in his presence. Next we see, Mild he lay his glory by. He laid his glory by. That's the picture of Jesus taking off the robe of heaven, laying his glory by so that he could come to earth. And here's why. So that man no more may die. So that man may no more die. That's the whole purpose of Jesus coming. Man, according to his sinfulness, deserves death. Not just physical death, but eternal death. But Jesus came to give life, to give life eternal. What we find out is that there's a choice to make. If we reject Jesus as Savior and Lord of our lives, then we will live once, be born once, but die twice. If we receive him as Savior and Lord, we will be born twice and die once. For those who do not have salvation through Christ, they're experience the physical birth then they will experience the physical death and then they will experience the second death death eternal but for those of us who have faith in Christ as Savior and Lord we're born first physically then we're born again spiritually the second birth and then we die once physically we'll never die again because we will enter into that wonderful gift of eternal life Second birth, born again, born of the Spirit, not of man. So then we come to the, the chorus, which is basically the first two lines of Hark at the Herald Angels Sing. It says, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King. Just a reminder, Hark. They're here to give us, for us to give them our attention. And the message is very, very clear. They are heralds sent by God for us to listen to. They're the ones who have the authority of Almighty God to share these words. And what are they sharing? A newborn king has come. He is born among man. He has come to save mankind from their sins. Other than what I uh, read to you in Revelation about a multitude of angels gathered around the throne in heaven. That's really the only other time for a mass group of angels to be spoken of in the scriptures, and they were not on earth. 
Is there any other time in Scripture that a multitude of angels came to earth to share a message? It's not there. So God once, many years ago, some 2,000 years ago, sent a multitude of his angels to proclaim this beautiful, wonderful, awesome gift. They're not coming back. They were the heralds one time. Guess what? God still has heralds. He still has given people authority to share this great news to all mankind. His heralds aren't angels. They're us. You and I. Children of God. We are his heralds. We are his messengers to the world around us. He has given us authority. How do I know this? Because some of the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples tell us this. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. We may not be as impressive as a host of angels, but we have the exact same message to share, that God has sent a Savior to the world, the greatest news mankind will ever hear, and we are his heralds. We are the ones to share this message with the world around us. So I pray that we'll be filled with the joy of Christmas, and we will look for opportunities each and every day to be the heralds of the great news of salvation. Let's bow together. Dear Lord, we come to you realizing that some 2,000 years ago you did something unheard of. You sent not only one angel, but a host of heavenly angels to share with a ragtag group of shepherds this wonderful message of salvation through the coming of your son Jesus as a Savior. Now, Lord, you've called us to be the, the messengers, to herald this wonderful gift of salvation with the world around us. Lord, open our hearts to see the opportunities that you give us, to share our personal testimony of how you have come in and saved us from our sinfulness, to share a simple plan of salvation of how we are sinners and we are in desperately need of a Savior and the only Savior who is able to save is one who died in our place for our sins. Lord, maybe just a simple invitation to come to a service like this to hear the gospel. Or whatever ways that we can be used by you to go into the world around us and to share the message of salvation, may we be found faithful. Guide us, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.